everybody, and welcome to another episode of Flipping the Pig. I'm Brad Garoon. I'm here with Justin Ford and Kevin Houston. Nope. Kevin Houston. Nope. <laughs> nope. Kevin Ford and Justin Houston. Keep it going. No, just keep, keep it going. You lost your <laughs> dribble, but just pick the ball back up and run with it. Almost, almost did it. Almost did it. I have been afraid <laughs> that I was going to make that mistake every single week for the last 51 weeks. And yet here we are, and I finally made it. Um, this is episode 52 of Flipping the Pig. We're going to be talking about the A diary. year of Flipping the Pig. Yeah, well, more, because we took breaks all over the place. All up and uh, down. About 52 full weeks of Flipping the Pig. Right, 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 right. Um, we're going to talk about the diary. Justin's going to tell us about it right now. I am. And I'd like to point out that uh, the way that your, your dulcet tones are coming through right now, you sound a little like Bob Ross, a uh, famous Afro painter. It's very soothing quite frankly, and uh, I hope you adopt this voice for every future broadcast. Very soothing. Uh, okay, so the diary. Uh, the diary is all about uh, TV. Jake's son? Question mark? No, I don't know. Yeah, it's a son. There's facial hair involved, so uh, it's not much, but it's there. Um, he's the one that we've really only experienced briefly on, we know he, you know, he's on computers a lot and he's a stereotypical, um, sort of isolated, uh, kid who's still living at home. Um, so, and this is something that's troubling both, uh, uh, Lady Rainicorn and, well, just like Rainicorn, Jake doesn't really care that much one way or the other, um, so it starts with TV playing this video game, and they're, and, you know, Randy Corp saying, you really need to get out more, and Jake's saying, yeah, okay, hey, TV, go get me a chocolate bar, which sends him to the Candy Kingdom, like all the way to the Candy Kingdom, which he mostly walks, but then he gets tired, and uh, like he runs into a person uh, who's just saying hi, and he just teleports away, probably both because he's out of shape and doesn't like human contact. So he's in the kingdom, and he's pulling out a, a chocolate brick from the bridge, like underneath it from the bridge that he opened. And as he pulls it out and falls into a puddle, which he says, ew, but that might just be chocolate, so that might not be that bad. Uh, there's a diary in a Ziploc bag of BP, that's who it is, uh, property of BP. And so in as much a warning saying, you read this, you're a terrible person which he says, statute of limitations, you can read it, it's totally cool, you know, it's someone's diary. Um, and so it's this young girl, and it's just, uh, it, he's going through her diary, start to finish, and it runs into a lot of the typ- typical problems someone of that age would have, you know, fights with uh, parents, and, you know, trying to fit in with uh, these two popular girls that are at school, Um whose name escapes me, but whatever. And uh, so, and talking about falling for this guy named Justin, um, coincidentally enough. So, uh, so she, yeah, she falls for this, uh, for, for this person, and she's writing all about them. But there's still this sort of essence of pain behind the words, and even though she's kind of, you know, obsessed almost in that teenage way uh, with, with Justin and that, and that relationship, um, there's still this angst that's, uh, you know, very, very palpable. So the, uh, he reads a passage where, uh, she still feels like screaming and it's like her birthday and, um, 
Justin's going to get her, uh, her birthday's coming up and Justin's going to get her, uh, uh, like some kind of present and she just doesn't know what to do, uh, and doesn't, and she just wants to like, yeah. like escape or something like that. Yeah. And then it just ends and there are a bunch of torn out pages and this infuriates TV who's very invested in all this stuff. Uh, so he goes down to the bridge where he found it to sort of reenact what he thinks may have occurred. And he ends up going to this very vivid um, sort of dream sequence of uh, what what may have actually happened and how, you know, how she must have felt at the time with all the peer pressure and kind of feeling inferior to these people that she's put up on a pedestal. Um, and it's rough. And this takes a long time. It's now nighttime. TV is not back. Jake assures Lady Rainicorn that he's fine, and we cut him seeing TV kind of rolling around in that same dirty puddle, uh, you know, like in this sort of trance, like like a trance almost. And he wakes him up, and Jake knows right away what's happened. So you've gotten too close to his diary, and you've sort of been absorbed into it. And, and TV convinces him and says, look, this is a real mystery that needs to be solved. The pages are all torn out, and uh, you know, look at, look at at the end, it's like all the E's are crabbed, which you notice is, is strange. Um, so they go about, they set about trying to find find out who this person is and, you know, what happened. And he recognizes that the place they were going to meet, uh, Justin and this BP person, um, they, they're going to meet at this make-out spot, uh, like Heart Tree Hill or something like that. You may know the name, or is that right? I think that's right. Okay, all right, we'll go with it. Uh, either way, it was just because there was a tree that had, like, a heart design on it. Uh, so it was kind of, <laughs> it was right on the nose a little too much. Um, but they managed to find the present that was in the tree, and I think it was in the tree, and they open it up, and it's this really cute music box uh, of this, you know, these two that come together and, and like, dance around and, uh, it's, it's really sweet. And so they, you know, they're still curious what happened. So they, they end up going to a shop they know makes these. Um, and a lot like the episode Candy Streets, where they go into a pharmacy and someone just happens to have all the information they need, the shopkeeper has all the information they need. Uh, you know, has, has made a lot of music boxes, but remembers this one distinctly, remembers what happened to the girl that she, like, ran off and decided to live in a cave for a while. Um, and uh, and they were like, oh, caves are everywhere. She knows the exact cave where they need to go look. Um, so they head out to find, uh, like, a rundown house. And Teeny thinks that she's dead because there's a skeleton laying there. It's like a... Um, but they find some... I guess they find the rest of the... Or another note cabin where you find out that... This has actually been uh, Nurse Poundcake, Betty Poundcake, uh, I believe her name is, um, and that she's just sort of like the culmination of, it doesn't really explicitly say why she leaves, but it's just, it's all too much to deal with, and just the layers of stress and uh, angst from high school, she just seems sort of ready to shed it, and she's just going to live out high school like in a... Like that era, the, her own adolescence, uh, becoming you know uh, a woman 
like away and just not you know like in a cabin in literally in a cabin uh in a cave uh to figure her stuff out. But she also adds that uh she and Justin wouldn't have worked out because he was kinda clingy. Um so that's when they cut to Nurse Poundcake, who, in the middle of a crisis, takes control of the situation and shows she's very well-adjusted. She's a well-adjusted person. She's made a life for herself, a drastic choice that seems to have worked out before. So TV wonders what happens to the ripped-out pages. Jake says, oh, he found them in the, uh, in the, the cabin in that cave. It, turned, it was just more stuff about that dude, Justin, like not liking him at all. Uh, Jake says maybe they could go find Justin, and TV says, no, I don't want to do that. So, um, a really very different episode than I, what I was expecting here, not really tied to much, um, Adventure Time lore, but Kevin, what did you think of the episode overall? Uh, I really loved it. I thought it was super fun. Uh, part of it, I will completely admit, is because, uh, Dan Mintz does the voice of TV, and uh, he also does the voice of Tina on Bob's Burgers. And this is a plot I can see them doing on Bob's Burgers with Tina exactly. So that aspect I found of it to be really fun. And, you know, why not tell a fun backstory about Nurse Poundcake? Because like TV, when they were reading the diary, I was also kind of waiting, uh, not with bated breath, I, wouldn't, I think that's a little extreme, but I was also waiting and anxious to find out who, who this is all about. And I think they did a really good job of putting TV in her shoes, exploring the backstory, and I also think it's just kind of a nice message of your your past does not dictate who you are. You can end up to be a well-rounded, well-adjusted person, even if you had some turmoil and such in your younger days. So, I liked it for all those for all those many reasons, and think it was a really, really good episode. Yeah, I liked it too. Um, I I definitely thought this was going to be more about TV finding out stuff about Jake's past in a diary, or maybe even Lady Rainicorns and not Nurse Poundcakes. I don't think anyone could have imagined that this was going to be an episode about Nurse Poundcake. Beyond that, the only thing that was particularly interesting about this episode, aside from the fact that it was it was kind of gorgeous, was that Jake guessed that um, BP had a crab arm, and then it turned out that she did have a crab arm and had found a cure for her crab arm. So I wonder, there a lot of Reddit speculation about whether or not Jake was either there for this or if maybe the diary didn't belong to Betty Poundcake, and Jake set a lot of this up to get TV out of the house, kind of manipulatively. What do you guys think about those those theories? You know, for, yeah, first of all, I I completely forgot about the crab arm thing. That was a big part of her staying in the cabin because of that. Not only just, you know, the peer pressure building up, but now there's now there's crab arm. Now you have to explain crab arm. Um, so, that yeah, that was a huge part of it. I took it as... Uh, I kind of tied it to TV because it seemed like TV went into this sort of weird, like, tra- again, trying to figure out what it all meant. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if, I don't want to say like Jake's clairvoyant because that's crazy, but, um, maybe he just deduced it from what are, what are, what are crab bees? Like, what, what, are, what does that mean exactly? Crab what? Any idea? Wait, crab what? Like the E's, like you said, the E's are. You said the the E's are crabbed. The E's are crabbed. Yeah, no. Like when he when he's looking at the the diary, he says like the E's are. Oh, I don't remember that line. Yeah, that's the reason that they they said that it was a crab arm. It's because oh, I think really? It's like a like an English terminology. Yeah, oh, yeah. I thought he was that's saying the that, like, he went there. Uh-huh. I thought they were saying it was all scribbled out. Are we talking about different things? I might not. I have only watched the episode once. And it was a week ago. 
I'm confused. What are we saying? When he's at the, the end of the diary, uh, in the last line, the handwriting's changed. Look, the E's are all crab. Oh. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that's a thing. But what what did they de- what did they determine was different about the handwriting? What did they de- what did they deduce? I assumed it was some sort of. I'm assuming that crab means that like the letter E is written in some way or written differently or a letter. It's like an English terminology. I don't know what it means exactly, but uh, that's that's where it came from. Is that they? I, I he just he thought it was a literal crab hand, but I do think mm-hmm. it's weird. I don't think he's like. I ch- I chalked up. T- TV, knowing as much as he did, or being able to do what he did, as some sort of weird, latent rainicorn power, but Jake doesn't have that, so... Yeah, I don't think it was clairvoyance. I think it was more, either Jake made the... I think maybe Jake made the whole thing up, or everyone's just looking too deep into it, and it was just a coincidence, and Jake was right, and it just happened to be right. I think rainicorn powers can briefly be sexually transmitted. Are you saying that Jake slept with his son? No, I'm saying slept with Rainicorn. Oh, and then it and was her- her- hereditary. Oh, and she passed it on to him that way. Yeah, I like, see. Like, like yeah, okay. with some love, like, like you know, it was like I'm not gonna go get him, and she's like, "Well, really?" And then they did whatever a dog and a Rainicorn do, and then he showed level up there. Level fifteen, I think, right? Level fifteen. Yeah, oh, at least, at least, if you're gonna get latent. Like Rainicorn abilities, it's it's like fifteen or beyond. So, um, yeah, that's clearly what occurs. Do you think that maybe Jake made the whole thing up? Um, I don't think it occurred to me. He seemed maybe he was disinterested at the beginning because he knew he had this in his back pocket the whole time in case he needed to pull it out. And when he saw Lady Rainicorn was stressed out, he Aquapar, which is something. Not exactly like a food we know that Jake like eats all the time, so that does seem oddly specific. So maybe, maybe it is Wait, possible. Isn't this the second week in a row he's done this? What did he do last week? Didn't he do it last week when he predicted exactly what they would find in the Superport factory? Well, kind of. He said it would. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Hmm. Okay, yeah, my, my mind is blown right now. It happened the third week. I mean, obviously, that's you get three in a row like that. Then there's something to do it. Um, let's let's peminate over to comic books. Or first, Kevin, you want to tell us what the snail was? We're redoing the story, and BP catches Justin making out with her two BFFs. The snail is in a tree. Got it. One of the BFFs' names was Mochi. That's the only one I remember, Justin. I forgot like a whole part of the story where like she had the crab hand, and then she goes back and sees them. And they're like all smoochy smoochy, and then she's like, like that's a catalyst for it. So I forgot yeah. a lot of this stuff. You should really, listener, you should probably just watch the episode. It's it's really, I think it's much more important that you get that like Jake and TV bonded, and that TV is now maybe you know he got out of his house, and that's the important thing. Uh, also, I have a request, Brad. Since yeah. there was no music in this episode, can we have Masaki Mochizuki's theme bookend the show? Maybe. I'll think about it. It's a great song. I'll take it under consideration. Thank you. By the way, I just watched the the show where where Casey unmasked and joined Dia Hearts. It was great. Okay, yeah. I have known nothing yeah. of what you speak, and he doesn't. He's not the Bravegate champion anymore. So. Yeah, but he apparently had a great match with the Kirito I don't know what you're saying, but um, can you tell us about <laughs> the Adventure Time Summer Spectacular 2013? 
Yeah, so this is kind of similar to the way that the annual went down that we covered in the last episode, where uh, it was just broken down to a few short stories. This one only had four stories, the last one had six or seven. Uh, so again, I'll just run down. Uh, desert Treasure is the first one, where Finn and Jake go into the desert looking for treasure, and they find a secret tunnel, but it has a fee to enter it. Finn and Jake don't have money, so they decide to make money by selling lemonade out of cactus blossoms, because they don't have any lemons or anything. But thankfully... Jacob Perry and chat sack of sugar with him all, all the time. So all the passers-by who come, they hate the bird. They spit it out. They want their money back. Nobody wants it. Uh, the Ice King comes by with Gunter, and he wants some, but Finn and Jake refuse to sell it to him. So he freezes their entire stock, saying, if I can't have anybody, nobody can. And the next passerby thinks they're actually selling popsicles, and he buys their entire stock. And they made enough money that they decide to not even bother going to the secret tunnel after all. Uh, the next one's called The Sucker Seeker, in which Finn finds a bird and decides he wants to be their roommate. Uh, but the bird, it steals Finn's pants, uses Jake's teapot for a hot tub, and it eats Bemo's calzone without even cleaning the dishes. So Finn decides to kill and the bird reveals himself to be a giant leech, which are called The Sucker Seeker, which is a type of leech who seeks suckers to live with and take advantage of. But the one thing they cannot combat is democracy. So a houseboat from Finn, Jake, and Bemo the sucker seeker to leave is all it takes for him to get out of the house. Heart is an interesting one. There is no dialogue in it. It involves Marceline observing Princess Bubblegum from a distance trying to cut this crystal heart out of a tree for some sort of unknown thing that Princess Bubblegum wants to do. She has a notepad with some notes on it. And Peavy has difficulty getting the heart out of the tree, which Marceline kind of laughs at her from a distance. And Peavy decides to camp because she's camping out and staying out in the in the elements, Marceline feels kind of bad for her. So while PB is sleeping, she bites the tree limb with her vampire teeth. She puts it next to PB, the, the limb that has the croissant on it. And uh, PB kind of cuddles up with it while she's sleeping unknowingly, and Marceline flies off. And the last comic is a Fiona and Kate comic called A Penny Burned, in which uh, the Fiona and Kate, they earn money by cleaning Mr. Stump's yard. And they're planning to use the money to attend the Heroes and Adventurers Caucus. However, the money literally burns a hole in Fiona's pocket, so she runs to the caucus as fast as she can to try to unload the money. Only no girls allowed in the, co- in the caucus. And the ticket guy says the caucus is a place where heroes can feel safe displaying masculinity without the judgmental eyes of women. So Fiona cosplays as a man, which is essentially just Finn, using this boxy hat thing that looks like Finn's hat to cover all of her hair, and Kate just puts on a fake mustache and happy men. Uh, Fiona is enraged when she discovers that there's this barbarian who's like autographs or fans or something like that. And uh, there's this subservient fan who's licking his foot and kissing his foot. And Fiona thinks that a life of adventure is its own reward and feels the barbarian should feel that way. But the subservient fan says that kissing of the foot is a reward for a life well lived. So the barbarian yells at the subservient fan and that kind of sets off Fiona she flips the barbarian's table onto him, and the subservient fan asks them their names. They reveal their true identities as Fiona and Kate, stating women are better than everybody. Uh, that's the whole comic. Um, honestly, kind of a waste of time. Don't need to read it. Brad, what do you think? Didn't read it. Uh, <laughs> I read the first, the first short, and I was like, this is, uh, I can't. I can't do these anymore. So I didn't. Sorry. So wait a minute. You you always get on to me like every week for not like reading the comic books and doing what I'm I'm supposed to do for the podcast. And you didn't even read it? Yeah, that's right. Well here's what I think. I think 
the week, the, first of all, I think it was like one week you didn't read the comics at all. But I think that was just because you didn't even bother trying, correct? Yeah, no, I, I didn't try this week. I didn't read the comics. Okay, so there's a difference. Brad at least tried and just decided this isn't for me, which I think as speaks volumes. It speaks more volumes than I didn't read them just because I didn't want to. Yeah, man, no. I tried. I tried my butt off. That's not being able to do something is indicative of the difficulty of accomplishing the task. But if you're able to do, like, a little bit of something, you should be able to do, like, the whole thing. That's nonsense. That doesn't make any sense, and that's not grounded in any form of reality. Well, it's the only argument I have, because I sincerely do not (laughs) attempt to read these comics. (laughs) So I'm going to talk about the Fiona and Cake miniseries. How about that? So, So Fiona and Cake. You guys ready? Because they did a they did a six a six issue run of uh, I read of a, yeah I did too actually <laughs> they did a six issue run of Fiona and Cake um, so I'll tell you a bit about it uh, it starts with Cake telling Fiona a story about um, how the volcano came to be and it's a story about like a fire princess uh, in, at the dawn of time. And then, um, honestly, I'm a little bit fuzzy, but I'll, I'll remember it as best I can. Uh, Ice Queen is... Oh, no. Now I actually remember pretty well. Ice Queen starts chasing um, a bunch of fire lions uh, during a monsoon outside. And the fire, lions are being, the fire lions are being hurt because they're getting touched by rain, and fire elemental creatures get hurt when they touch water. And then Fire Queen... Um, I mean, Ice Queen keeps, keeps um, zapping them with ice. So... Uh, Fiona and Kate go to their rescue, and while they do that, uh, a fire elemental man comes out and tries to rescue the lions as well. Um, but Ice Queen then takes that opportunity to use this black crystal, uh, which she's been waiting to test out. Uh, she uses it on the fire elemental man, and he shrinks into, or he freezes completely, he turns all blue. Uh, and Fiona saves him, and they retreat back to the treehouse after a little fight with Ice Queen. Um, back at the treehouse, they put the little fire guy in a bowl, and they um, find out that he speaks cat, so Kate can communicate with him, and he speaks cat because he was the head of these fire lions, um, and he wants help. Um, but before they can help him, Marshall Lee comes into the treehouse saying that he needs help um, because Prince Gumball is in trouble. So they go, and Kate hates Marshall Lee. This is all, all of this stuff is very reminiscent of season one, Adventure Time, just like the, um, the, the Fiona and Kate gender swap stuff is in the show. So they reluctantly, well, Fiona has a huge, obviously has a huge crush on Marshall Lee, but Kate hates him, but they go to help him anyway, and they find Prince Gumball. He's trapped in some, I think it's flan, right? Okay. I believe that's right. Yeah, it's a giant flan, and he's trapped in it because it makes you see your reflection and fall in love with your reflection. Um, so Fiona cuts him out of that, and then Marshall Lee reveals that, or sorry, Prince Gumball reveals that he and Marshall Lee were working on this easy-bake oven thing from ancient times that can both help the fire elemental guy who any reader knows is, is Flame Prince, really, um, and and also gives um, Fiona a sword that can grant her three wishes. So sh- I forget what... Do you remember what her first, wi- first wish is? No, I don't remember much about the comic at all, to be honest. Yeah, so she makes a first wish. I forget what it is. Um, and then the next bit of this comic is Lumpy Space Prince steals the sword 
and wishes that he could be incredibly handsome so that he is now the as attractive as Lumpy Space deserves. He is the prince that Lumpy Space finally deserves. Um, but he's too attractive, and people really start taking advantage of him, and, and they want him all the time. And Fiona comes to his rescue, but has to pummel his face until he's no longer that attractive. He's back to his old self, um, so she saved him. Then she goes back to her friends and sees that um, the flame elemental will eventually cool out and die, no matter how much Prince Gumball helps him, unless they can get that black crystal out of his chest. Um, so they go to find the Ice Queen, and after a series of crazy battles, Ice Queen takes the crystal out of his chest, but then for the life of me, and then he becomes Flame Prince, and he lives in a volcano with the prince uh, as the prince of these fire lions, but for the life of me, I can't remember what Ice Queen's whole deal was, why she put the crystal in his chest, and why she took it out. I think she was trying to harness the heat for something. Do you remember? Uh, not about my head. Yeah. So, uh, at the end, it turns out that the whole thing is a story that Gunter is telling in Quacks to Ice King, who can't understand him anyway, which is the, which was my favorite part of the whole trade, because it showed that even in the comics, when it's all dedicated to Fiona and Cake, there's still just a story. Kevin, what do you think of the whole thing? I like I read it and it was it was in it was got off and forgotten. I don't know. I just don't. It, it was a lot of you and cake to handle. I think it's eleven episode bites are, are the best I can do with them. I just don't. I we, I talked about these comics being in, an opportunity to explore some of these side stories or side characters or things of this nature, and it's a nice thought. I just I just wasn't all that interested in the story they were telling. Yeah, so kind of a bust for the comics this week, but I will. I did like this more than Marceline and the Scream Queens, but not as much as the Ryan North comics or Playing with Fire. So we've got that. Um, Justin, you didn't read, so whatever. Um, <laughs> I did. You don't. You don't make an awesome episode though. Hmm. If they did like a kind of like a season one type where it's just very simple, like narrow, uh, kind of a beat 'em up. Uh, you know, beat him up dealy, and even like the dialogue is sort of the same way that it was. And it like pulls back, and it's like Fiona and Cake, like they've written a story about like Finn and Jake, and then it like pulls back again, and it's like Ice King writing Fiona and Cake writing, and he's like at the like the Candy Kingdom, like reading it aloud at like that bar they always go to in the Candy Kingdom where no one cares. And at the end, they, like, pull away again to, like, a book closing, and you just see the back of, like, Fiona and Kate's head, so it's like, who's the real storyteller? Yeah, it sounds fine. Way to go, Justin. I should just point out before we before we sign off for the week that Alia Shawkat, am I saying her name right, from Arrested Development? Sure. Yeah. Uh, she was the voice of young Betty Poundcake. And that's it. So, Justin, while we still have you, before our connection completely cuts out, Tell us about your social medias, but briefly, please. I'm at Justin J. Houston on Twitter, and I'm BW Hunter. to do a podcast with Viva Chagar about Chagar Wrestling with Kevin. Kevin, what do you do? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at K413. At this point, if you're listening to this podcast, you know how to get it. You know to go through pwpunters.com to stream or download it. You know to go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio to download it uh, directly to your mobile device. But I really want to encourage people to do two things. One, share the podcast people let them know what's out there if they're adventure time fans and you think they will enjoy this show please 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 share it so we can get as most uh ears on it as humanly possible it's the best way we can get new listeners for the show alternatively if you are subscribing to us on itunes or something of that nature please leave us a review let us know what you like about the show what you dislike about the show 
whatever you want to do. Just let us know that you're listening and that uh, what you think, so we can make this show better for everybody. Brad. Thanks, Kev. You can follow me at Burger Weekly and Garoongate. Please do what Kevin said, and thank you for flooping the pig. I flooped the pig. Mm-hmm.